Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are digging into the digital revolution, which is in full swing, touching every part of our lives. And we've got one of our great monthly guests on, Sean Amirati, who looks at things from the perspective of a venture capitalist, a business school professor at Carnegie Mellon. He is a podcaster in his own right. Sean's also an author, a triathlete, and a serial entrepreneur. Sean, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. Pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's great to be here. Now, I know, uh, Sean, lots going on all the time in your world. Um, I did think the Salesforce uh, earnings call yesterday was fascinating in a lot of ways, but particularly for the guy who called it, uh, was it first a year and a half ago that uh, either yep. Oracle or uh, Salesforce was going to buy Slack? Yep, that was our prediction from 2020. So, you know, January of 2020, we made that prediction and it got done that year too, which was, which was awesome. Well, I like the way you said we, Sean, because, you know, I was trying to push most of the credit over you, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a collective Cloud Wars prediction, Bob. So it was both <laughs> of us who made that. That means you're also on the line for some of the other ones, like the Amazon AWS uh, spin. Yeah. But, but I uh, don't recall that one at all, Sean. <laughs> I have no recollection of it. No, no that's that, good. My, that memory could come back at any point. So I, I'm, I, I'll leave my options open for the future. Got it. Uh, no, Sean, it was, uh, it was really, you know, like a, a typical thing. I think the, uh, you know, probably the number of earnings calls we listen to is, uh, says something about your personality, at least for me. And that maybe I, I shouldn't be so proud of listening to a lot of earnings calls, but I always think the ones that Salesforce does, you know, Mark Benioff just turns it into something between theater and a, a master's class in, in strategy. He also makes it... Uh, a little bit like a talk show and he completely sort of sweeps aside a lot of the analyst questions and he will just sit up there and ask questions of his different executives on the call it's really great and then all of a sudden it's like hey we're out of time we got to go but the, there's really nobody that does earnings calls like them but yesterday's between a technical issue that had benioff cut off from the call for quite a while and then he came back on at the end so the other salesforce executives really filled in uh, a lot of the blanks there, but a uh, big, big, big part of what they talked about, Sean, was Slack. And, you know, you hear different tech companies be enthusiastic about acquisitions, but they, they, they're they a little bit cautious in how they go about it. There was zero caution from the Salesforce guys. They said, this is going to change everything inside Salesforce and for our customers. It, it was really quite powerful. Yeah, which, you know, totally makes sense, right? I think one of the things that start us down us down that prediction you know 18 months ago or so and and then when when we bought it you know the the general consensus for both of us was this is a really good deal for salesforce right and, and the reason is you have this incredibly engaged customer base incredibly loyal customer base like you know people are committed to slack today like they were committed to you know operating systems 30 years ago right like it's a incredibly loyal customer base really sticky but they that you know not to be critical but they never figured out the revenue model on lock and the reason we said oracle or salesforce right is because you've got leaders at the top of the house in both those companies who really understand innovation around pricing and revenue as well you know and, and not just product which is crucial and important and certainly part of this but like Slack has a great product, but when you look 
back, you know, when they were a separate publicly traded company, you know, given the number of Fortune 500 companies completely built on top of Slack in terms of their communication workflow, which was massive, and then the minuscule number of over $1 million a year contracts, right? That, that gap was just arbitrage for somebody like an Oracle or a Salesforce to step in, and now they've done it. And I think what's also exciting, right, is some of that product vision around social communication in the enterprise and, and how do you sort of have this kind of integrated social communication platform. It sounds like it's actually feeding back into Salesforce, which is just upside to the model. Yeah. That I'm sure they built when they when the bankers kind of put the story together. Uh, it's not at the level of a Slack acquisition, but I got to tell you, I, I've had a bit of an experience like this myself with one of our venture companies. We sold a company to a publicly traded company that the when that transaction happened, I got a lot of congratulations. Like, wow, that's awesome! Congratulations on selling that company. And and it, like in my gut, it was like, ah, I think we sold for not enough money. And then basically now every earnings call that public company talks about our acquiring company, you would think that they were the acquiring company, right? You would think that like my company had bought that company, not the other way around. And so I am sure there's some Slack shareholders today uh, waking up with a little pit in their stomach about like, wow, was that as good a transaction as we once thought it was? Um, well, Sean, if if they feel that way, isn't that offset by all the nice things that the Salesforce management said about Slack? Doesn't that sort of compensate for the? It turns out you can't you can't actually you know buy things with compliments like that. So unfortunately, unfortunately not. I mean, maybe for the Slack management team, but certainly not for the for the rest of them. And the Slack management team were significant shareholders there, right? So it was a meaningful shareholder himself. Um, actually, a mutual friend of ours who's at Microsoft, he, he and I have a kind of friendly wager going um, on how long Stuart stays at, at Slack. And I will say uh, to our friend, Matt, who I know listens every time, like I, I'm feeling better and better about Matt buying me dinner is, is one of the other punchlines here. So, <laughs> Well, Sean, a couple things about this, you know, from the earnings call that really stuck out to me was, um, you know, Brett Taylor, the president chief operating officer got on and he was talking about the integration. He said we were actually ahead of um, our targets on the integration. He said we set pretty aggressive integration targets. So he was very pleased about that. They talked about, you know, Slack will now be the front end for all of our applications, for all of our platform plays. So that was one thing that I thought was really quite striking. And the other part, that Sean, I wanted to be sure to get your thoughts on where um, their you know, remarkable new CFO, Amy Weaver, who used to be the chief legal officer. And I'm not sure how many precedents we have in you know, any industry of chief legal officers becoming CFOs and you know, at, at very difficult times and doing such a great job. But um, Amy Weaver talked about how he said, you know, for the sales organization, we get to show them like we did all the due diligence for the Slack uh, for the Slack deal on Slack, you know we went through a lot of the negotiations on Slack, and there were a number of these cases where Salesforce's internal use of Slack became uh, a case study in a way that their sales organization used and uh, talking to customers about it. So really, really powerful momentum, and uh, uh, I think it might go back to your point about some of those Slack shareholders running hmm. 
could 27 billion have been 40 billion? That's right. I think that's exactly the right question to ask yourself. And unfortunately, that, that ship has sailed. I also think, though, that that speaks to another thing that we expected to happen when you plug into an organization like, a, in this case, Salesforce or Salesforce or Oracle, right? Which is, remember, part of what was going on here um, is that Microsoft had entered the market with a Slack competitor and you know, the, all's fair in sales, right? They were starting to create a little fear, uncertainty and doubt, like, well, how secure really is that Slack system, you know? And, and credit to Microsoft, they have great CIO relationships. Somewhat, you know, really, we've talked about this before, but this sort of transition from, you know, relationship managers to technically competent expert salespeople allow you to create this kind of fear, uncertainty and doubt around security, privacy, a bunch of these things, right? So if you're if you're Salesforce, right, you want to put you want your CFO up there banging the drum like, no, no, I used to be a lawyer. I used to be our chief counsel. Like I can tell you, this is a great platform. You should absolutely be using it. Don't worry about this at all. And it's it's it really is the advantage that a company like Salesforce is able to to bring to this integration. And and so, you know, it might have been hard for Salesforce to realize this value as an independent company. But or sorry, Slack to realize this value as an independent company, but, but that doesn't mean that that twenty seven billion was a fair price. I think it probably was not, unfortunately, for the shareholders. Yeah, and Sean, the overall company, you know, they uh, I'm not familiar with uh, again any other tech company that that talks on earnings calls the way Salesforce does. They talk about the change of the culture. They talk about the change in how they do things, the mindset, the talent mix they have. And then, you know, Benioff always says, these are the things that our customers want to talk to us about. Not that the technology that Salesforce has is not the uppermost thing, but these almost like front edge learnings, these bigger picture things are really happening. Now, maybe Mark Benioff is exaggerating that a little bit maybe he's telling it exactly on on target you know who knows but it, i mean it, if he's exaggerating it would be the first time right to, to be, <laughs> yeah. just to be clear right there, there, there is a first for everything maybe he was exaggerating a little bit no question no question and just along those lines sean i know in the last earnings call i think i clocked him for 11 uses of the word awesome in his opening remarks and yesterday in that like the first 10 cents he said phenomenal i think seven times so we've gone from awesome to phenomenal I'm going to have to see what does uh, Q3 bring, uh, but the pace they're going. But I just think, you know, the, the acquisitions they've done from MuleSoft, Tableau, Acumen, Slack, you know, some of these other things, they're, they're outpacing anybody else in the software industry with the, the way they do the acquisitions, their ability to integrate them. And they really focused a lot, Sean, on, you know, we're not going to run these as, you know, separate little independent operating units. We are all the products are getting integrated together so customers can get the benefit of each. I just think it's a, it's in some ways, it's a, it's an extraordinary way that they're not only uh, innovating with their own products, but these acquisitions, pulling them together and then using those as sort of the, uh, the proof points for how we can go talk to other CEOs about culture, about uh, mindset, those sorts of things. It's, it's, they're really distinctive that way. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think a lot of the credit obviously goes to the top of the house, like you talked about with Mark. But I will also say, I've known Brett for a long time. He ran a startup called FriendFeed, 
um, you know, early in the sort of web 2.0 uh, movement. And he and I got to know each other a bit through that, um, through that process. He, he is just an incredible, incredible part of that team and an incredible leader as well. And so I think um, part of what you look for in, in organizations like a Salesforce today is like, how, do, how does the company outlive the founder, right? And, you know, yeah. we've, we've got a great example, and we've talked about this a lot on here with what happened at Microsoft with Satya, right? And I think the nice thing, if you're a Salesforce shareholder right now is um, you're, you may not need this sort of Steve Ballmer dip to go right from a, a Mark Benioff to someone like a Brett, which I think is incredible as well. Yeah, he used uh, he he handled the Mark Benioff communication uh, technology problem very well. He just sort of jumped in and said, "Okay, well, he said, let's continue with this." And I think they at some point later, Sean when he felt uh, Mark was securely back on the line, uh, he said, "Well, if the technology gods will allow us," he said, "We'll bring Mark back into the conversation." But I think Mark was in Switzerland; he was unable to join the conversation through Zoom, so he called. Amy Weaver's cell phone, he said, in San Francisco, and then got connected. That was so, uh, you know, it keeps us all grounded about all the great things about technology and some of the stuff that is not always so great. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, Sean, the last thing I just wanted to ask you about was, uh, I think that this Slack acquisition and the way that Salesforce Salesforce is articulating it and what it will mean. It's just a reminder to everybody that this thing we get in our heads of what the cloud is or what the cloud represents, it is a constantly changing, evolving, and very, very fast moving dynamic, right? So we, we need to keep in mind not to get locked into an idea that uh, will surely be obsolete in a matter of weeks or months. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, I think, you know, what we're really talking about with some of these things now is we're talking about this continuing shift to platform ecosystems in enterprise tech, right? Like we've gotten really good about talking about platform ecosystems in consumer tech. And I think you're going to see that you're going to see that move more and more into, into enterprise tech as well. And so certainly part of that is what people have always historically thought about the cloud infrastructure as a service changing the economics of that, that's, that's incredibly crucial. But you're kind of, as you continue to move up the stack, right, you're also talking about these systems that are not just great discrete systems by themselves, but are even more impressive because of this kind of integrated, you know, actually, uh, Katarina, who was Stuart's um, ex-wife, but was also the co-founder of Flickr with him, uh, which was his which was its earlier success, was one of his earlier successes before Slack, famously coined this term business development 2.0, uh-huh. um, right? Where she said, you know, business development used to mean sitting in conference rooms and, and making pitches to people. And, and I actually spent an early part of my career doing that, right? The, the game was how many times could you say synergy in a windowless conference room in 30 minutes? Uh, and not all of us were as good as Mark. So we didn't come up with multiple different words uh, to say synergy, we would just say synergy over and over and over again and see how many times you could do it without making it obvious that that's what you were doing, right? And then you cut the deal and then you left and then you, right? And business development 2.0 is engineers integrating systems together via APIs. And then once the value has been demonstrated, figuring out. So you're kind of replacing 
six months of windowless conference room conversations with these kind of API first integrations platforms, and then you, you scale them up. John, that's a great point. And I just want to uh, interject here. I want to add a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets. Automation is paramount yet effortless. And when technology and people work as one in an enterprise, the A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. And uh, so Katerina, I think was the first person I at least ever saw kind of coined the term that way, business development 2.0, which actually when she was at kind of Yahoo post uh, Flickr acquisition. Um, But I think in enterprise tech, right, you're really seeing some of this happen now. And Slack is just such an incredible example of that, right? I have, I was just looking, I have uh, nine different kind of Slack instances going, different workspaces, right? And those aren't just valuable to me because of the messages going back and forth, but because every time I want to do something, oh, they also have a Slack integration. I can pull that into this as well. You know, so like last night I was working with one of our companies and we were kind of redoing how we think about kind of lead gen pages, right? And the guy built the lead gen page in a system called Airtable, which is like this this, uh, open uh, API driven version of Excel basically. And now we can have those events fire into a Slack channel that we're both part of as well, right? And to me, like that's an example of this kind of, it's a small example, but a, a easy to understand example of kind of taking this platform philosophy to enterprise tech, which I think is an increasing part of what we mean when we talk about kind of the enterprise cloud, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Sean, great perspective there on it. Before you go, can I ask any uh, triathlons? Yes. Or looming? Looming, not recent, looming. Uh, so, but before that, uh, our our colleague John did uh, Escape from Alcatraz, which is which is an an epic race. So uh, that's fantastic. It's good to have the Cloud Wars team continue to do it. I've got two races coming up: uh, one the first week of October, and then one in in late October. So I'm doing an Olympic distance first week of October, and then a half Ironman. Uh, knock on wood, if if COVID cooperates in Waco. Uh, in late October. And actually that's a, it's a good unprompted plug. You know, SAP continues to do really interesting things with Jan Ferdano, who is the world's greatest triathlete probably of all time, almost inarguably at this point. And so they do these data Wednesdays on Jan's feed where they take his data and they show you how a pro triath. And I just wanted to say like, if they want to contrast pro with average Joe, like I, th- I think there's an angle there, but cause, cause it's true. Like I cannot, comp- you know, what Jan sort of does a Ironman and I might do, you know, a quarter of a race in that distance, but I'm much more like SAP's customers than Jan Ferdano is as well. So no, but, but uh, all kidding aside, the races are fun and it's, you know, hopefully with vaccines and stuff, we'll be able to keep these races on this year. Uh, and that should be a blast. Good. All right. And Sean, I'll, uh, I'll mention that to a couple of people at SAP, maybe plus Jan rhymes with Sean. So there's, there's branding possibilities that lots of good things can happen. Awesome. All right. My friend, Sean, always great to see you. Uh, best of luck with that. We'll be talking before then, but all the training, hope it goes wonderful for you, Sean. Thanks a million. Thank you, Bob. All right. Good to see you. Thanks folks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope the tail end of the summer is going great. Have a wonderful final week. We'll see you soon. 